an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? Oh, all the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, here we are again talking about why a fight didn't happen. Kevin Ioli is here, senior boxing writer, Yahoo Sports. Hi, Kevin. What's up, my man? I'm down, man. I'm down. Like, I had been starting to really believe that Fury Joshua was going to happen. I was at the stage where I'm sending, like, email pitches to my bosses at the magazine about how we can cover it. I was enthused about the idea of doing a full magazine spread on it like we did for Mayweather and Pacquiao. I'd even joked with our good friend Greg Bishop about renting a house together somewhere and, and becoming roommates again as we did for Mayweather Pacquiao. And now, here we are, Kevin, left to explain to the audience why a fight is not going to happen. Um, how are you feeling about all this? Awful. You know, I, I got home. I was at a hockey game on Sunday afternoon. I get home and, and I see Fury's uh, Instagram uh, uh, thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I wrote this column talking about how great it was and how excited I was and couldn't wait to, you know, see it and, and how good it was for the sport. And, you know, it was uh and then the next day, very next day, um, start getting calls in the morning about the, you know, arbitration and that it's Wilder is going to win it and it's going to go the other direction. And so it was just, you know, like it really just cut the legs out from under you because, I mean, that was the fight more than any other in boxing. I mean, there's other fights I think technically, tactically would be more exciting fights. But that fight, you know, people love heavyweights. And that was the one that carried all the luster. We were going to have – you know, people say you can't name the heavyweight champion. Now, after that fight, you could name the heavyweight champion. And, you know, it wasn't even 24 hours of celebrating uh, the good news that the fight was on. And it was all, all of a sudden off. So just to 
unpack what happened over the last couple of days for people just getting wind of it for the first time. Uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder have been in arbitration for months now. This over the contract that stated that Deontay Wilder had a right to an immediate rematch after uh, the second fight between them two, those two in February of 2020. Obviously, the pandemic changed everything in boxing. And because of the pandemic, and because, according to Fury, they tried to make a Wilder fight a couple of times before the end of the year, that contract had expired. Deontay Wilder disagreed. The, the, uh, the case went to arbitration. And just a few days ago, the arbiter, Daniel Weinstein, ruled in favor of Deontay Wilder, saying that uh, Fury had to face Wilder before September 15th of 2021. Uh, my first reaction to this, Kevin, was that top rank really blew this. Like, that yes. was my first reaction because they were supremely confident to the point of arrogance that they were going to win this. That yeah. they believed wholeheartedly that Deontay Wilder had no case. Bob Arum, who's been doing contracts like this forever, a former U.S. attorney, he believed he was in the right. And to be wrong at this stage and potentially cost your client tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in what would have been an Anthony Joshua deal, they blew it, Kevin. That, that to me, was my first takeaway. They blew it. I don't disagree, but I also think you have to put some of this on Tyson Fury because I think what happened, Chris, is that Fury got a little bit uh, impatient, and I think that that was a big uh, part of what went on here. Because you know, to you know, add to what you said, so they fought in 2018, they had a contract for that fight. In 2019, they renegotiate or not renegotiate, but they negotiate a rematch, and they and it's for a two fight deal. But the option in there was the the rematch for the third fight was at. Only if the loser didn't want it, he could get out of it. Wilder lost the fight. He exercised the option within the time period, but then he had surgery. So that's the first thing. He has bicep surgery. So they had a fight in July. He wasn't physically able to make the fight in July. The pandemic obviously going on contributed to that. Now they get to October. You know, they couldn't, you know, they were having trouble finding a venue and putting the fight on with no fans because in October we had no fans. They finally targeted, but there was not an agreement. And that's a really important thing here, December 19th, because at that point, uh, college football championship games were going to be on December 5th. So December 19th was an open date. So they looked at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas where the Raiders play for December 19th. Well, then it turns out the SEC championship, among a couple others, got moved onto that date because of the pandemic. Things got pushed back. And now ESPN and Fox, which we're going to put on the pay-per-view, said to the promoters, hey, look, you guys can't put this fight on because we're, we can't do it. We have, you know, huge, we're going to get a huge number on the SEC game. We can't do it. And they said, let's look at February of uh, 2021. And Fury got tired of waiting at that point and said, screw it. So I think while top rank was incorrect in terms of you know how the arbiter would go rule, they were no doubt wrong about that. Fury also um, was wrong because he instead of you know saying okay let's look at February twenty one you know he just wanted to move forward and I understand why he did but his impatience really ended up costing costing him this whole thing. Yeah, some of it's on Tyson Fury as well, and to both sides as you kind of autopsy this. Could all this have not been, like, prevented? I mean, could you have not negotiated something 
with Deontay Wilder months ago, I mean, before it became a legal issue or a binding arbitration issue, I mean, this this just feels like it was bungled, like, from start to finish. And now, here's Tyson Fury, you know, we think at least on the five-yard line of having a deal done to face Anthony Joshua, the biggest fight in British boxing history, one of the biggest heavyweight, heavyweight fights in modern history, and now he's got to turn around and face Deontay Wilder. I just feel like a lot of this was preventable, Kevin. Like, they could have figured something out. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, I've always felt like, why does boxing not do what, what the WWE does and and have, you know, like a WrestleMania thing? And so that would have been the perfect example. You put Joshua and uh, Fury on, and you have Andy Ruiz fight Deontay Wilder on the undercard, and you are creating other fights, right? So you have the, so you tell the Ruiz Wilder winner, you're going to fight the uh, Joshua Fury winner. I mean, bingo, you have it right there. And then you can have the losers fight. I mean, there's so, so many options to go. Instead, they brought Chris Ariola in, and, you know, they, they do a Ruiz Ariola fight that didn't make a lot of sense and, you know, didn't do great business commercially. Um, I don't know what it did for Andy Ruiz's brand. Wilder's still out there waiting, hired Malik Scott as a trainer. We don't know what what to expect to see out of him. I mean, to me, I think that, you know, a little foresight, you're right, would have would have gone a long way in this situation. And I think it's a, a deal, Chris, where um, you got to think big in boxing. And, you know, you want to put on boxing thrives on big events. And just imagine if you would have had four guys who in the last couple of years had all the belts. They were the guys all fighting on one card and you can't, you can say, well, the, the money wasn't there, but guess what? The Saudis are paying. What do they pay for Fury Joshua? 155 million. And if you put those, that other fight on the card, I mean, the money was there. And I just, I don't understand why, um, you know, why that didn't happen. It's gotta be on X network. It's gotta be on Y fighters terms. I mean, I mean, that gets down the rabbit hole of why so many fights can't get put together in boxing. To indicate or exemplify how caught off guard Top Rank was by all this, like in the immediate aftermath, Bob Arum called me and called it a preposterous decision by the arbiter. I am not smart enough to know if it was a preposterous decision. I haven't seen the actual arbitration. It's kind of, I've heard piece about pieces of it, but I've not actually seen the arbitration agreement. Um, and then after speaking to me and telling me that they plan to offer Deontay Wilder's step-aside money, Bob Arum called Mark Kriegel and said, no, we're going to go ahead with the uh, Wilder fight. And we've reserved Allegiant Stadium. I didn't know things like that could happen that quickly, but whatever. Like, that's an an argument for another day. Um, They were completely caught off guard by all this. And now they're trying to pick up the pieces by putting on a Wilder Fury fight and promoting it on the fly. Now, there's there was a lot of talk, Kevin, about step aside money. Step aside money didn't always make a lot of sense to me because with step aside money has to come an agreement to face the winner. Now you can do that with Tyson Fury. The infrastructure is in place. Oh you, yeah, you and I have both extensively covered the Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua conversations. That wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't easy two years ago when they first commenced, and it wouldn't be easy now. So the idea that in like five days or two weeks or whatever you want to say it's going to be before all this stuff is kind of smoothed over, the idea that you could negotiate a Wilder-Joshua deal in case Joshua won, because what what interest does Deontay Wilder have in Tyson Fury if he loses to Anthony Joshua? Like the value of that fight 
drops precipitously. So while there were some numbers being thrown around, $20 million, stuff like that, it never kind of clicked with me because you'd have to negotiate the second deal with Anthony Joshua should he win. So what, what was your takeaway from the idea that Wilder could be paid money to step aside? Well, you know, I, th- I think if you just listen to what Deontay Wilder has said since he lost to Tyson Fury, I don't think he wanted the money, right? I mean, so that's ignoring what Wilder wanted. Wilder wanted the fight. And I respect that, right? Um, you know, you can talk about maybe he needed a tune-up fight and maybe he needed to work with his new trainer and have, you know, um, and develop whatever skills they're going to work on. Um, but, you know, to his credit, you know, he said, you know, my, money is not the issue here. I want to you know, avenge my name uh, and prove that I'm a better fighter than I was uh, in that fight on that particular day. So I give it to him. And, and here's the thing. And when you look at it, if, if you're top rank, I don't know how you didn't see this coming. What has Al Heyman always done in every deal he does? He slow walks everything, right? And there, it's not, there's nothing quick. And so, if Al Heyman, if you would have gone to Deontay Wilder and said, hey, we want to pay you and you got to work a deal out with Al Heyman, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to get it done. And then, you know, to get it done by that September 15th day, you know, he's holding you hostage to a certain degree. And, you know, so you have a lot of things. So I think the, the best thing for, you know, was to say, you know, what the heck with it? We're going to do it. You know, it's, it's a killer. And I have a feeling that there may be lawsuits coming from, um, you know, from Matchroom Sport and, and from Joshua and, you know, who knows who else, um, you know, toward uh, um, toward uh, the Fury and uh, top rank side. I don't know, Kevin, I don't know if they have a leg to stand on there, too. I mean, like, to be fair, like, we all knew about this arbitration. They probably just believed top rank. And what did Eddie Hearn say the other day? Did you see what he said? I did. I did. He- but he, so he, he said, you know, we were assured it was no problem. Assured, so but assured is different than them, like, you know. I mean, right, that, I, mean that, I, don't, I don't know that he gets filed. Right. Kind of argue- I'm not saying I'm agreeing with this. I'm not saying I'm agreeing with it. But I think, you know, Eddie Hearn is basically saying we went forward with this fight on the assumption and, and our partners in Saudi Arabia went forward on the assumption that Bob Arum knew what he was talking about. And when he didn't, you know, and that that's the big issue. Yeah, maybe they will. I don't think Eddie Hearn's going to go that route. Um, I think he's going to try to piece this together, cross his fingers, and hope that Tyson Fury wins, see if he can piece it together before the end of the year. I do wonder about this date. Like, July 24th? That's the opening weekend of the Olympics. I mean, you want to talk about TV competition, that's it right there. I mean, I would think now, if you have until September 15th, like, maybe let it breathe a little bit longer. Am I wrong there? Like, maybe go into, take, take that August 14th date. Like, are you going to target that for... Fury versus Joshua go August fourteenth after the Olympics. Are well, the, over. Que- you know, the question becomes now you got to get a venue, and so they want to go Correct. to uh, Elysian Stadium. And I, I haven't looked at what the Raiders' schedule is, but I'm guessing that that's preseason for the Raiders, and your, you know, your or UNLV uh, plays there too. So you have uh, you know the the field being used um, now. They, of course, they could go to T-Mobile Arena, or they could go somewhere other city. But I mean, I think that they're not going to. I mean, Fury and Wilder are not going to sell out Allegiant Stadium like they're just not that big they're talking but they want to do like a 30,000 socially distanced crowd is I think what what the plan but here that's not not what Canelo's planning on doing that's not what Canelo's planning on doing I don't think he's going to be I think he's probably Canelo might not not to veer off course but Canelo might sell that place out like that I mean that could be a I mean, he's he's that kind of caliber of fighter that I would agree with you. Yeah. Well, you know, what? here again, here's another thing. 
why don't the sides work together? So now you've got Usyk uh, threatening to sue for his, you know, enforce his mandatory. So why don't Matchroom have a, have a split site fight where you have, you know, Wilder and Fury in Vegas, Usyk and uh, Joshua in the UK and have a split, you know, have them show up on, on both platforms, make a deal and, and, and do it that way. Give the viewers some, you know, bang for their buck, show these big fights together, work together on it and make something out of, out of what's really a bad, a horrible situation. I mean, you know, nobody wants this, you know, except for the wilder people, you know, I mean, you understand why they want it, but like everybody was excited about seeing Fury and Joshua. So let's give them Fury and Joshua in boxing on the same night and just get the title fights, get everything out of the way so that now you can go. We're going to presume that Anthony Joshua beats uh, Usyk. And I I wouldn't have presumed that until I saw Usyk fight uh, Chaz Witherspoon, but now I presume it. And, and I think, you know, we would presume that uh, Fury would uh, do what he uh, win again over uh, wilder. So, you know, Hey, I think you you're rolling the dice a little bit, but go go you know since you're stuck with the one fight, go with the other and get them done at the same time. How interested are you in Fury Wilder? Because as the dust settles and we get over the disappointment of not getting Fury Joshua, Fury Wilder's not a bad fight. Like it's yeah, you know, other than Fury Joshua, it's one of the more compelling heavyweight fights that can be made at this point. Even if it is the third time around, the first two were entertaining for very different reasons. Uh, what, what's your level of interest in that fight? I, I have interest because, you know, Deontay Water is a compelling personality. Um, you know, he's a big puncher. And Tyson is obviously a great boxer and a compelling personality. So you put them together and, there, you know, there's going to be fireworks. And, you know, I, I think I'm probably in the minority believing – I think Fury will win, but I think Wilder has a chance to win. I think he has to make some fundamental adjustments and changes. And I think from the second fight, you know, Wilder was not – Fury said all along, I'm coming forward. And I don't think Wilder ever believed that, and he and his training team did not prepare for that eventuality that Fury would attack him. You know, most people with uh, Wilder, you know, moved away from his power and tried to give him movement. Fury went right at him. And I think that that was a brilliant strategy and that, you know, Wilder didn't have an answer for it that night. Now, you know, he knows it. I think if they can come up with a strategy, you know, I'm not saying he will win, but I think he, with his punching power, he doesn't have to make a huge improvement physically. He just has to make some improvement and be able to land a shot. So I have some interest in it. I have much more interest in Fury and Joshua, but I do have some interest in it and i think that you know it'll have some success in the marketplace again not like it even did the second time but i think it will have some success oh when you can crack like wilder can and we saw this with george foreman you're always in a fight like i don't think wilder's going into this fury fight think he's going to win a decision like he's just not as good a boxer but if he's down 11 rounds to none it might not matter if he gets to the 12th round and he stops tyson fury which is still possible fury has shown a better chin in recent years but he's still susceptible to getting knocked down uh, we saw Steve Cunningham do it. We saw Deontay Wilder do it. I mean, it's it's doable for that. So I'm I'm mildly interested in it. It's almost like that, you know, Wilder's almost got this kind of Rocky Balboa after the Clubber Lang loss thing going for him right now, where it's like he disappeared off the map and he's going right. back into the lab and he's working with Malik Scott, who I don't know if he's replaced JDs or is supplementing him. He certainly has replaced Mark Breland in terms of uh, his yeah, new Breland trainer. is definitely out. Yeah, Breland's definitely out. I don't know. There's a lot we don't know about Deontay Wilder. I mean, except for the occasional, you know, random podcast interview in the middle of nowhere, like he's gone largely radio silent. And to be frank, those interviews he's done have not gone well for him because he's spouted off crazy conspiracy theories and uh, generally made himself look worse in the aftermath of that fight. But because that power exists, he still has a shot. So 
All right, I- I'm down for that. Are you interested in AJ versus Usyk? Does that do anything for you? Because Eddie Hearn floated that as probably the most likely option here because I don't think AJ wants to surrender his WBO title. Certainly not to a fighter like Usyk, who's a cruiserweight, two fights into a heavyweight run. But you th- you look at that as the next fight, and d- are you interested in that fight? Not as much as in Wilder Fury. And, and, and the thing was, I would have been more interested because in, I thought Usyk could maybe outbox him. You know, be, when Usyk won the undisputed cruiserweight title and said he was moving up to heavyweight, I looked at him and said, you know what? I think this guy, you know, he's a big dude. What is he, 6'3"? You know, you get him up to 225 and, you know, he might, uh, you know, he might be able to do some damage with his ability to box. You know, he's not going to knock anybody out and he would be susceptible to getting knocked out by these big punchers. But the fact that, you know, this is a guy that in the amateurs boxed Sean Porter, right? You know, so, I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, but I, I, but after seeing that Chaz Witherspoon fight, I was so disappointed in Alexander. You know, I mean, I just thought, you know, Witherspoon was way past it. I mean, you know, and the fact that he gave Usyk as much trouble in that fight, Chris, as he did, you know. You didn't think he carried him? I thought he carried Witherspoon. I was ringside for that fight. I thought he, I, Usyk was coming off that injury. And it felt like to me at times he was carrying Witherspoon in those early rounds. Well, I, I, I looked at it and I'm going, you know, it's just like to me, I mean, I, I thought he got stunned a couple of times. I mean, yeah. I just didn't. I just didn't like what what I saw out of him. I mean, to me, that should have been a fighter that he made mincemeat of, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's a better fighter, you know, than Chaz Witherspoon, and he should have just tore through him and gotten rid of him, and and that was it. And I, when I saw that, Chris, I was just like, mm. to me, the Chisora fight was a little more revealing because if Chisora was capable of going twelve rounds, he probably would have, you know, won that fight. As it's you know, this version of Chisora uh, right. just gasses out after five or six, and that's when. Usyk was able to take over and win that fight by decision. But you look at those early rounds. I mean, Usyk was on the move. Like he he couldn't didn't want to stand there and trade with Derek Chisora. I, I think AJ is going to be in better shape than Chisora. Can box a little bit better than Chisora, and certainly has more power than Chisora. So I think he's going to have a lot of problems there. So I'm mildly interested in that fight. Um, mildly, I would say. Now, I hate that it's happening. There certainly is a best case scenario here, right? Like, let's say. Fury stops Wilder again in July. AJ stops Usyk in August. It builds a lot of momentum for a November-December fight. And right. we'll say that. At the, ver- at the very least, it does that. It's a huge risk because Fury yes. could lose, AJ could lose, and then we're stuck with the mythical fight that either will never happen or will not have the same level of consequence if it does. But if both these guys win and win impressively, look, they've both been largely off for a year and a half now. AJ's got the one fight in December. Fury's been off since last February. So there's a chance they could rebuild some of the momentum they lost because of the pandemic with big signature wins against top competition. But again, huge risk in that, right? I, there is, but I mean, I think it's a risk you have to take given the situation you're in. Um, I just, you know, and I know the, all the contractual obligations, but I think they got to find a way to get them fighting on the same day as opposed to a month apart, right? Getting them, getting them together, having them at a press conference together. Think about that, you know, you know, even if it's virtual, right? But they have them on the same day and doing the same thing. I think it's, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating all on one site, you know, uh, do it on each of their times. You know, you open up with Joshua uh, and uh, Usyk, uh, based on the time in the UK and then you go to Wilder and Fury. Um, and I think to me, that's a fun, fun pay-per-view. You're giving value to the consumer. You're creating other interests. 
if the bad thing happens that we talked about and either Usyk or Wilder wins the fight, now all of a sudden at least, you know, you built something because people have watched the two of them on the same card and, you know, they have a little, you know, a little bit of uh, interest in, in, in it. You know, they have a dog in the fight. So to me, I think that makes, you know, that that's making the best of a bad situation. I, I can see the appeal of that, though the time difference, I think, makes it, a lot more challenging, right? Like you'd probably have AJ walk at five Eastern time. Um, you'd have Fury Wilder walk at eleven or twelve Eastern time. That's just but don't, but a- don't, don't you? I mean, you have to adjust on the, on this end here. So, and that might be a test for pay per view. You don't you say That's a okay, big gonna, test for pay per view? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna push AJ back one hour so he walks at um, at six Eastern you know time, and then we move you know Fury up and he walks an hour earlier than normal. And when you get that, now we're a lot closer, and we can put some other you know um, you know heavyweight fight in there that you know has some. Con- Consequent, you know, Charles Martin or whoever, you know, that that uh, they've been talking about throwing in one of these fights. I think, you know, I think that that at least, you know, then, you know, build something. You think, uh, Todd, uh, there's no time too late to start a boxing match. Duboff would go for that. I, I think Todd, I think Todd prefers like midnight you to broke 1 up on start. me. Just say that again. I was just going to say, do you think that uh, Todd, you there's no time too late to start a boxing match. Duboff would go for that because Todd tends to uh, like those late, late starts. And uh, he really believes no, that. One, he believes that there's no the, time the too late for The one thing that he, he, he's willing to do is try new things, right? And he's in a whole new world. I think if you get, you know, all these different entities together, um, maybe that's something that they can pitch him on, right? Uh, because I think, you know, he the one thing, give Todd, you know, he's trying to find a new way to do things and and do better. I, I, I And I think that... Uh, you know, he would be open to it. I'm not sure that he would want to do it every single time because he might look at the first one and say, eh, I didn't do the way I like it, but I think certainly he would be willing to try it multiple times. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, a couple things I want to hit you on as we go out the door. Um, Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor is this weekend. A tremendous fight. 140-pound unification fight. Uh, two of the best guys at that weight class in the world. Uh, is this a pick fight to you? I mean, do you do you lean one way or the other? I, you know, I so I wrote a betting call on the other day, and I said, you know, and on a video I did, I said I lean toward uh, Taylor to win the fight, but I'm going to bet Ramirez. And the reason I was is at that time uh, at the MGM it was uh, Taylor was minus two seventy five and Ramirez was plus one eighty five. To me, way out of line there, right? You know, that's about two thirty. You know, uh, man to man. And I, I thought this was a seven to five, you know, six to five fight favoring Taylor. You know, I think Taylor's a little bit quicker and, you know, has, you know, maybe a little overall better uh, boxer. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a fight to, to have him at, you know, at that price. But what did I see today? The line has come way down. And so Taylor was 270. What day did I write that? Uh, two days ago uh, was was minus 275. This morning he was minus 220. So, you know, as it goes, as it moves toward Taylor, I'd be more inclined to take Taylor. You know, I don't want to lay two to one with Taylor, but if it gets under two to one, then all of a sudden I'm a lot more interested in Taylor. I think this is a fight that could go either way. And I'm a little worried about the new pairing of Ben Davison and, um, and uh, Josh Taylor, you know, that, that, that mandatory fight um, that they had last year really doesn't, you know, didn't count, um, you know, but uh, now this is their first, essentially their first fight together. And you wonder about changing in midstream. Uh, that's one thing. But, I, you know, I think it's a really fun fight. And I think it, um, it's, a, it's a close to a pick as you can have. Yeah, I think Styles going to tell the winner here. Um, we know how Ramirez wants to fight. He will eat as many of your jabs as he has to to get on the inside and throw bombs with you. Uh, Ramirez, you know, coming off that fight against Victor Postal, that wasn't a great performance either. So he's got some question marks of his own coming to this fight. I think Taylor's a bit of a better boxer, and if he can box a little bit more, Taylor will have a firefight too. Like, he's not afraid of that type of fight. But Look at Logan Progray. Yeah, exactly. So he's willing to go in there and trade, but I think if he can box a little bit more, he's going to have a big advantage on the outside. Like, that's not where Ramirez wants to be. Hooker tried to keep him there in that fight back in 2019. It didn't work. Taylor eventually, or Ramirez eventually got on the inside and, and made that his fight, eventually scored a knockout. That's kind of the way I see it. I think Taylor wins by decision Ramirez wins by knockout I think that's how I kind of view yeah I think that's a fair and I I think you know that Taylor's a lot better than Maurice Hooker even though Maurice Hooker's reach you know that what is it an 81 inch reach it's insane for a welterweight you know I I really thought that was going to give Jose trouble in that fight but you know uh, I realized that you know Hooker isn't the the talent that Josh Taylor is but yeah I I, like I say I, I think if I'm just picking I pick Josh Taylor to win the fight but if I'm betting and I'm laying that number you know I think I like getting the plus money with Ramirez when he's at like at the time I picked it it was plus 185. I know Taylor was on the podcast last week, and I asked him if he won, would he prefer to move up to fight Terrence Crawford or stay at 140 and fight Teofimo Lopez coming up from his weight class to face him? He picked Crawford, and I can understand why. That's probably the, it is the bigger fight. It's a more high-profile fight at 147. New weight class for Taylor. Who knows how you know cutting down to 140 has been for him. Um, do either one interest you more? I mean, I kind of like a Teofimo fight. Undisputed at 135 allegedly franchise whatever you want to call it and versus undisputed 140 it's got some cachet to it as well 
Well, he, I mean, yeah, it does. No, he said to me, I interviewed him last week as well. And he said to me that, you know, he could go down or he could go up, you know, so not necessarily just stay at one, you know, so he said he could fight at 135. So that, I, that would, he said he would, wouldn't mind having three belts, 35, 40, 47. Um, and so, you know, he said that, but I think unlikely that he, he will go down. When have you seen a fighter of that ilk and he's the undisputed champion go down? That's, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think both are interesting to me. Um, I think I would lean more toward the Teofimo fight because I think Crawford is just a cut above. Yeah. And I think it'd be a one-sided fight. I think, you know, you put Teofimo in there with Josh and, you know, it's more of a pick and fight, you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot, a lot you can discuss in that fight um, on who you like, how you, how you want to see it go. Plus I think it'd be a fun, you know, uh, offensive minded type fight. You know, I think Bud Crawford, uh, you know, would probably snuff out uh, Taylor pretty good would be, would be my uh, early thought on it. Um, so, you know, but I, I like both of them and I like the fact, you know, I wrote a column today on Josh Taylor, Chris, and I talked about, Hey, you know, and I said in my interview to him, I wish you were the commissioner of boxing with the ideas that you have and how you want to do this kind of stuff. You know, he's kind of like Canelo. You know, he's willing to fight anybody. He's looking for the biggest fights. He, you know, when I brought up his mandatory, uh, the tie, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, the tie guy that he had uh, in September, you know, you just see the grimace on his face, right? You know, he knew that wasn't a challenge. And so I love the fact that this kid wants to fight Jose Ramirez and he's willing to fight either Crawford or Lopez or whoever is sitting there. Uh, that's the kind of fighter I want to see in boxing. And Ramirez is that same way. Yeah, I, I love the Teofimo fight for the winner, whether it's Ramirez or Taylor. Teofimo's getting some good exposure these days. The huge number he did on ESPN last year. Uh, whatever happens with this thriller show, it, it certainly has raised his profile a lot going into it. So I'm, I'm down for Teofimo versus the winner. And then the winner of that fight, if they want to, can move up and fight Terrence Crawford then. So I think there's a chance for... Two big fights, not just one, to be made for the winner of this Ramirez against Taylor fight. Before I let you go, help me out with this George St. Pierre stuff. Like, I'm trying to understand why Dana White would block George St. Pierre from fighting, or I should say boxing, Oscar De La Hoya on Triller. This was the story last week. Ryan Cavanaugh, who owns Triller, uh, he said that they had a deal in place for De La Hoya to fight George St. Pierre. We can talk at another time about how George St. Pierre is the guy that De La Hoya told us we'd be shocked that he was going to fight, that he's going to smash you. That is not, doesn't quite. And resonate. Oscar said he wanted to fight Triple G, and now he's winding up with George St. Pierre. Yeah, he was never, he, we said, I've said this on the podcast, bro. He, he was never and is never going to fight anybody of consequence as a boxer. Right. Nor should he, by the way. He's 48. But He's 48 years old. That's neither here nor there. So, But help me explain why Dana White would care what a 40-year-old retired George St. Pierre would do. I asked Dana White this question specifically, and I also asked uh, Hunter Campbell, who is the UFC's uh, chief business officer. I said, why not let him fight? You know, he's going to make a lot of money, and, and, and Oscar De La Hoya was his idol, and he wants to fight him. And so their, their argument is this, that they have offered him fights every single year that he has declined, and that they, they, they claim, you know, and I have no way of knowing this other than that what they say, that they have offered him more money than what Triller is going to pay him to fight. And so we don't want you fighting... Uh, uh, on some other network when we have you under contract and we've been offering you fights. Um, I, but I think what it really comes down to is go back to the day before um, McGregor Mayweather. 
Oscar De La Hoya puts out a tweet, you know, bleep you, Mayweather, bleep you, McGregor. I, you're ruining boxing by doing this, and I can't believe it. Don't buy the fight. And, Dan, and nobody holds a grudge better than Dana White. And Dana White got pissed at that, and he's hated Oscars ever since and takes no opportunity, passes on no opportunity to blast them. I think that's really what happened, Chris. You know, he, you know, Oscars, I think if it was somebody else, Dana might have said, go ahead, right? George said his two favorites were Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, Oscar. If Sugar Ray Leonard were 48 and Oscar were 65, I think he would have let George fight uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. He wasn't going to let him fight Oscar because he hates Oscar that much and doesn't want to do anything to help Oscar out. I think at the end of the day, you know, all what they're saying, they offered George these fights. I think that's really what the answer is. So you think this is more about Dana's uh, four-year-old grudge now against Oscar Hoy, less about Triller and because he seems to not like the Triller guys all that much either. He said to me, you know, he said to me um, when, you know, when I, after Triller's uh, show with uh, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, you know, I said, Hey, I thought that, you know, I ripped them before the fight. I thought it was a really bad promotion, but they put on a good show. He agreed with it. And he said, it's not my thing, but I think that they're, you know, they're, they have an, a niche and that, you know, there's some people that are going to like that. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think that he hates the Triller people per se, although he doesn't like what Ryan Kavanaugh is doing. Kavanaugh has been texting him and calling him, please, 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 please. And, you know, Dana is like the ultimate tough guy and doesn't like, you know, he's seeing somebody like he's groveling or begging. So that now, you know, you know how it is being from New England, right? Yes. And, uh, don't, don't, don't show weakness, man. You're not, not going like to, not, not to put myself in the same category as Dana White, but uh, I can understand that sentiment. You know, don't. I'm not really a New Englander, but I did live there for eight or nine years so i kind of yeah. know what it'll- yeah yeah um yeah I, it, I i get that i mean I, I remember oscar's tweet back then it was totally unnecessary like it, it's one of those things if you don't like the mayweather mcgregor fight pay no attention to it like i didn't go to it like i could have gone covered it done a lot of things there but i just don't i i want to cover events that i know are going to be competitive and i knew Correct. going into that that was not going to be competitive was, yeah. but whatever like if somebody wants to do it go ahead like that was gratuitous for oscar to to tweet that didn't have any impact but then, but then three months later he was ra- saying have canola fight him like what the hell is that yeah I, th- I get the sense too that dana is irked by you know people buying the reports about the pay-per-view buys of like jake paul because they, they're, they're not real numbers like they're just not like well, you know, it. real number tyson roy jones was a real yes not absolutely a- absolutely 100%. but everything else like you know People reporting the Jake Paul number on like Sunday afternoon after a Saturday fight. In what world are those numbers immediately available? Well, here, let me explain that so people know. So, like, because I've covered pay per view f- from the beginning. You have. And I've known, you know, and I know how it works. So, there's two separate things here, right? So, number one, you have the digital buys, which, you know, Fight TV, Triller, FightClub.com, you know, the online buys. And then you have the cable, satellite, and telcos, which are you buy on your TV. Though, you know, those numbers tend to take, you know, anywhere from four or five days to several weeks to come in. And even over the, let's take the peak of HBO boxing, when the number would get announced on a Thursday, Mark Taffet would say what the number was. It was just an estimate. They were just looking at percentages and how it was going. They did not really ever know for sure. And now, but now with with the digitals coming in, you know, almost immediately what your buys are. It might take, you know, 24 hours, but because it's digital, you're getting it online, you know. So 
we figure the Triller Fight Club um, and the Fight TV numbers by Monday, they, they had to know a good number there. But there's no way they knew what the satellite cable numbers were. They couldn't even have any idea of what the cable satellite numbers were because there's nothing to compare it to, right? Because they did, they did not know and they couldn't use the, uh, the uh, numbers that they got off the digital because that was a totally different audience buying that that's going to buy off of TV. So that... Um, you know, I just I questioned that at the beginning, um, but I know for a fact the tr- the Triller number on the Tyson and Roy Jones fight was accurate. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we learned this week that Jake Paul has signed a deal for his next fight with Showtime. If Jake Paul was so successful on Triller, why wouldn't they throw the bank at him to sign him like that? To me, just reading the tea leaves tells me that number it makes wasn't. me wonder if something's up with Triller, right? Because you know Tyson, you know, there's been the rumors. Tyson, let that- me, Kevin, this this kind of flew under. Tyson is upset with them, and it's kind of went under the radar. But Roy Roy Jones told me on the podcast a couple of weeks back that he was pursuing uh, legal avenues uh, against Triller. Like he, that's what he said last week because he doesn't believe he was paid what he was supposed to be paid. His upside, yeah. So. Yeah, of course, he got paid his guarantee the night of the fight. But yeah, the upside. And that, that's the thing, right? So you look, you know, you wonder what's happening with, you know, with Triller when you hear this, right? Does that, is that, does Jake Paul say, I know something? I don't know. You know, I don't want to sit here and say that they're about to go under because that would be a huge leap forward that I don't have the evidence to back up. But you look at it and you go, okay, you know, Tyson is upset and, you know, and he said he's not going to fight for them again. That's going to wind up in court. Roy Jones, the rumor of, you know, not having you know, been paid the uh, upside on his fight. That's an issue. I've heard there's vendors out there that are claiming that they're not paid. Um, you know, so that's, you know, that's something now you're, you know, you're talking, they're going on a pay. Think about this. They're going on pay-per-view on January 19th. So January June 19th. 6th, June 19th. I mean, excuse, I mean, what did I say? January, June nineteenth. You've got uh, uh, Mayweather fighting uh, uh, Paul, the other Paul um, on Showtime pay per view on uh, on June sixth. Then you got UFC with two title fights and Nate Diaz, who's a million seller type guy. Um, and while there's not a huge crossover in boxing, there's ten percent or fifteen percent, depending on what side it is. So that's going to take some numbers. Then you're going to come on the nineteenth uh, of June, and you've got Inouye fighting on ESPN. You've got an undisputed title fight with Charlo on Showtime. You got that uh, the night before Chavez. Uh, Camacho, Anderson Silva mess that's uh, on pay-per-view that you get some Chavez fans will buy uh, and all that. And then you come up with the Triller fight. Um, hey, don't forget uh, Jaime Munguia in the afternoon. on uh, And Jaime Munguia on the zone where you'll be. Um, and, be ready and to talk Jaime munguia Seletsky right there. That's and, and we're gonna major have, we're gonna have that. And then you got Gervonta Davis at the end. So if, if somebody hasn't blown their pay-per-view budget for the month by the, you know, by the 19th, they're going to sit there and say, well, you know what, do I want to watch the Triller pay-per-view or do I want to watch Gervonta Davis go for a third title? I, I think that they have a, they're really stuck, you know, in that, uh, in that situation there. Well, I'm all for watching Gervonta Davis. I'm not calling it the third title. I ref- <laughs> not not after we just did a segment on the undisputed 140 pound championship is on the line this weekend. There is no title on the line when uh, we'll Gervonta Davis. Call it the Davis, disputed title. The disputed title. Gervonta Davis, tremendous talent, big star in boxing, not fighting for a title uh, in June. Kevin, always great to catch up, man. Appreciate the insight. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you soon at uh, one of the fights. All right, brother. Thank you.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 